What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. Joining me in this massive halftime snack is a sports and media leader with over 20 years of experience in the industry and unique expertise in the field. He is the CEO of Sports Pro Media, which is the most prominent media and event business covering the business side of sports. Sports Pro delivers some of the best content across diverse channels, including a printed magazine, newsletters, podcasts, conferences, articles, and more. Our guest is also an independent director of the British Volleyball Federation and host of the Streamtime podcast. I'm glad to introduce today, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Mitchum. Nick, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. How are you, mate? I'm uh, cheers, mate. Very, very good. Good to be with you, and uh, thank you for the the lovely, lovely intro. Uh, yeah, good to to be able to have a have a bit of a chat with you today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you so much for taking the invitation to join us. Um, we're going to get into you, your background, sports pro and everything else. But right before that, I uh, got to throw in an icebreaker to get us to talk, you know, to get us to speak a little bit. Um, and the one I prepared for you is a would you rather one. So so here it goes. Would you rather have a terrible, bo terrible boss and a good job or a good boss and a terrible job? Oh, good question. Uh, I would think you'd have to go the good, good boss because You know, ultimately, I think in any environment, if you have a good boss, you can learn a lot, grow a lot. Uh, and even if you use that as an opportunity to develop yourself, it can set you up for finding a better opportunity in the future. If you go down the other lines, the risk is you don't really develop. You don't really develop any of your experience uh, and you don't get any better at doing the job. <laughs> I would say, though, on the flip side, on a practical sense, that anyone who works in the sports industry, you know, people like to hire people who've been hired by good companies before. So yeah, sometimes just getting that name on the CV does open a lot more doors. So good question. <laughs> I could definitely see a case for both of them if I uh, think about it more and more. Yeah, I think that most most employees or at least everyone on, on, on Sports Pro will agree that having a good, good boss is what matters because it looks like they have an amazing one. Um, <laughs> Nick, but let's let's get into more into like your background and um, the things that you've done. Um, did some research and uh, realized that learned that you are uh, you have a sports management degree, which is pretty unique, uh, very specific. Um, so maybe you want to talk more about how that came to came to be how how exactly you found sports to be so appealing to you or what is what is it about sports that uh you find so appealing personally for you well i think it all starts with where i where i grew up and that's australia and if you, anyone who knows australians pretty well or knows the culture there sport is really at the heart of everything particularly when i was growing up uh, you you follow You followed sport and you followed every sport and you followed what was going on. You, you followed all the athletes. And it was a time where Australia had loads of success uh, professionally and across the globe. So sport was just at the heart and soul of everything that I consumed. Uh, and then I enjoyed watching uh, and playing and kind of felt like there was no real other option for me going through my high school years to go. I need to find a career in sports. Like I'm really interested into that space. 
I'm not, I'm good at playing sport, but not great. So, you know, there's no, there's no career for me in the future. So why don't we look at doing something on the business side and uh, in Australia, there's opportunities at a, at a variety of different universities to, to really study on the business side of sports. And, and you see more and more of those available globally these days. And so I just took, I took the opportunity to do a business degree. Uh, initially, I majored in sports management and exercise science and then realized I didn't really want to spend my time in labs doing tests on frogs on you know, musculoskeletal uh, lab experiments. So I then honed in on the business side explicitly. So yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of almost felt like it was, there wasn't really a choice for me growing up that I had to go into the sports space because of the environment that I, I was around. Yeah, I love that. The environment is such an important key in what and who we become. Um, and you've became someone quite relevant in the industry, um, in one of the most relevant companies in, in media. And <clears throat> I believe, I mean, this is, for, of course, my personal opinion, but I believe that someone in your position has to be very consistent with uh delivering value uh not only to the employees but also to the outside to the to the partners to the people you work with to the people at the events so uh one of the questions that what I, that i was wondering uh during during my research is how exactly do you keep yourself inspired or creative how how exactly do you source that motivation or inspire inspiration to deliver quality time after time during your podcast and during your interviews and during your time at sports bro like what What do you do or, or how do you keep yourself inspired to deliver creative work? Yeah, good, again, another good question. And it depends on where you want to take it. Like, and everyone's built differently, right? So the what inspires you and what makes you competitive and what makes you want to achieve success might be different to what inspires me. Like some people really thrive off being competitive with others. So whether it's beating your other competitors in the market, whether it's mm -hmm. being the number one salesperson in the sales team or getting the most reads on an article or whatever it might be, uh, other people are more intrinsically challenged, like to challenge themselves intrinsically. So for me, I just want to make sure I'm getting better all the time. So I never want to just be happy with where we're at because especially in the sports space and especially in media, the landscape's evolving so rapidly that if you try and do the same thing the same way, a year later from the way you used to do it, you might be left behind. Uh, and so it's a really exciting time to be in the sports media world where you've got to keep adapting to the changing consumption trends. You know, five to 10 years ago, it was all about the written word. Then videos come into play and audio is playing a big role. And all these things weren't even on the radar only a few years ago. So it's a really exciting place to be. And therefore you constantly got to be challenging yourself to go, hey, are, are we doing this the best way we can And what other things could we do to be doing it better? So for me, it's always just about, I'm always asking questions of both myself and also the team to go, okay, how do we make whatever we're doing just that little bit better to provide more value to the audiences we, we talk to? I want to maybe dive a little bit deeper on that element you said on how attention has changed and the whole um, media in sports and how it's related to sports has changed You've been in this business for a while, 20 years. It's, 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 a, it's a good time. Um, I want to know exactly what, is, what are your takes on the attention economy, which I, I call it, which is really how people spend their attention uh, day by day. How, how's, how has that changed since you started? How was, how was before? Maybe you can think about a couple of examples of how uh, people were consuming media at the beginning of your career and how they're consuming it now. Like, What are some of the major shifts that you've, you've seen so far? 
Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to sort of dig into there because this comes from different angles. But generally, I think where we're at now, um, and the attention economy is a great way to describe it, is we used to look at things, and we still do across the wider both media and sports landscape of valuing content from a from a monetization perspective like how much does it cost to read or consume that or subscribe to that piece of content but actually time or attention is the number one metric in my view on how you can measure the, the success of the content you're producing and some of the conversations i've been having internally is like okay well how do we define what piece of content something we produce for our audience how valuable is it so if uh an article gets a thousand, a thousand reads, but uh, a podcast gets a thousand listens. Do you? How do you measure those two things against each other? If you then publish a thousand uh, views on a po- on a social post versus a thousand engagements, like making sure you can actually quantify the value of those those touch points and the time the audience spend with you engaging with your content and your brand. Um, and so I definitely think looking at everything. Uh, that we do as a media business, you have to really look at that time spent uh, and the and the the direction of the conversation. I.e., is it just a very one way, or is there a two way two way conversation you're having with those people? And then obviously the depth of the engagement. I.e., at an event, getting people to make the the effort to come to your event and then consume content and then meet people. That's a real big commitment to someone's time. Again, so part of that intention economy, that's the that's the sort of the, the top of the, the food chain in terms of what we classify as, as top attention uh, and engagement with our brand. So the attention space is is, is evolving rapidly um, and really nuanced now because of the, the divisions, you know, from social media to newsletters to website to podcast to video to events virtually and, 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 and in person. They're all provide a different way to measure performance uh, and the value you're giving to the audience. Uh, so really, no one seems to, I'd say, have nailed that framework, uh, but something we're spending a lot of time on to, to challenge ourselves to go, okay, well, is this piece of content we're doing valuable to us? Or is it actually not really providing as much value as we think it is based on the, the metrics we might be using might not be? Yeah, and I think you, you mentioned a lot of good key points there uh, related to content as a strategy. I'm sure that you've seen so much that if in a specific quarter you, you're de- delivering better content, probably you're getting more subscribers or to the newsletter or to the podcast, you're getting more listens or you're actually getting more people to come to the events. So content as a strategy is something super interesting that I, I think about often because I'm also a content creator um, and I realize how um, how improving the quality of the content actually you know, creates a better sense of engagement around the community of people that, that engage, engages with your content. And this is something that, I mean, I, I want to get your take on this, Nick, but this is something that I think most companies don't really understand because they think that maybe they have this, this idea or, or, or think about this, this example. They, this startup or this company that is raising funds um, decides that it's a good idea to make a PR announcement instead of create content to at the same time announce that, you know, a launch or announcement or or capital fund raise or whatever it is. I feel like they're most fo- mostly focused on the old ways of, of uh, spreading the idea or th- what happened through a PR announcement than, you know, using content as a strategy. What's what's your take on the, around that? Have you seen this happening? Have you seen companies uh, come to you guys and be like, we're only interested in PR, uh, but they don't really value content as, as a strategy? Have you seen this happening? 
yeah, there's still a lot of um, learning and understanding and education needs to happen, whether it's in the more B2B space or through PR to, to, to justify and value um, the value of that content that you're either producing yourself or being involved with. Uh, an easier example is even just social media, right? Like people measuring performance on that. Like we've had those conversations over the years of, okay, um, some platforms we were working with originally on analytics were just supplying like you know, likes and retweets and that was your engagement metric. And actually I'm telling our team that is the one I don't want to pay any attention to. What I want to pay attention to is what's happening within that post, you know, for example, and, and Twitter does provide that once you dig deeper into the analytics of, okay, have they, have they uh, opened, have they actually clicked the link, which actually is uh, the best piece of engagement if you're a media business trying to drive traffic to your owned and operated platforms. That is the number one objective more often than not. Have they clicked your profile? Have they done something else on that tweet or shared it or something um, rather than just the, the, the traditional likes and retweets where people often measure success against and that can just be so variable um and not really give you uh, any context as to what uh, how much people valued your piece of content for for example I've, I've seen it before where um a post that i might have shared might have had next to no likes or retweets but the the, the link of the article has had dozens and dozens of clicks Okay, but the other post that we did had a number of likes and retweets, but the click-throughs were less than a handful. So in the eyes of, of the, you know, the media business, or depending on how you look at it, you might say that one's performed really badly, and actually it's the best performing one because it's done the objective that you want to do. So yeah. you really have to be able to look deep into the data uh, and look away from some of those, um, let's call them vanilla metrics, because they don't give you any real sense but we're all guilty of it because it's a it's a behavioral thing to go, oh, it's getting these types of engagements and that means it's working. And it might be, but it doesn't give you the real picture. It just gives you a pseudo picture of what it could be doing or what it couldn't be. And social, social is one of the hardest things to break down for a media business on how to drive real value for it. And I think that's the same for most businesses really as well. If, unless you're in the real macro consumer space and you're trying to build mass audience leveraging influences and brands it's really difficult to make social work for you and do you do you value quality of the content as top priority in sports pro because when i go to sports pro i know that i'm going to get some actual insights some good good articles and good content um, out of it the newsletters that, that that i've seen are are high quality is this a priority for your team is this a priority for the strategy quality over uh, distribution every single day or how do you think about quality spe specifically yeah it is it is a big it is a big point for us um and i particularly i think you see across the wider media world let alone sports media the chase for views is is pretty rampant chase for views chase for clicks um and you know when we first started out we were we were able to unlock opportunities to massively ramp up our views by changing the title on an article to be a little bit cute so it makes it sound like it's more interesting and appealing to someone um but the value for our business being a b2b publisher so we're trying to talk to people who work in the industry we're not just talking to the consumer the general fan we want to talk to people who want to work in sports and want to learn more about the industry that's pointless for us getting getting tens and tens of thousands of reads of an article where uh, most of that audience might be just a general fan because it's it's you know it's it doesn't look like it's an article that's re relevant to people in the business side is not valuable to us. So we really focus on making sure that 
does this piece of content actually help someone in their day-to-day? If it helps someone do their job in the sports industry, then that's where the value is most important for us. I love it because I see I see a lot of similarities in the way I try to deliver content. I do think that it's way more important to have uh, quality in people also that read your content. I, I There's this tweet that I saw one time that says, suppose you have a newsletter about uh, rockets, right? And you only have one subscriber and that one subscriber is Elon Musk. Would that be worth it? Right. That's that's the whole thing. Right? There's there's quality in the in the people that read or consume your content. And you, you want to be looking for that, at least uh, in my point of view. And it sounds like you guys are in the same in the same channel. Um, I want to switch over maybe to talk a little bit more about the digital transformation of sports, which which is kind of much, much of what you guys uh, cover and do. And I have this little game for you. Uh, that we're going to play Nick uh, that it's called since we're still in March. It's called the Sports Tech March Madness game. So essentially, um, you're going to choose your favorite tech trend uh, that's taking sports by storm. I'm going to give you two options and we're going to be eliminating. I choose eight. So it's a pretty simple game. Uh, you're going to like it. Um, so the first one, uh, 5G or eSports, which one you like better? So in terms of uh, for the sport, this digital transformation of sports specifically, right? Yeah. Uh, five, 5G, because I, I actually see eSports sitting as a complementary but peripheral industry. I, I think sports... Is trying to hang on to esports because it does, you know, it, it has some traits that are similar, but actually there's a load sports should be learning from esports on how it's run and operated and connects with fans. But 5G is going to be actually able to unlock loads of opportunity to help on remote production, improve connectivity for streaming pl platforms, and just change, improve the way that people engage with content, particularly live. Uh, and that's a pretty, that's really how the industry is built around these days okay okay the next one streaming versus wearables what you got i uh, mean i'm a big i'm a big streaming guy <laughs> so i'm gonna say i'm just gonna say streaming uh it's a, it's a topic that i spend a lot of time talking on on our stream time podcast that we produce that's that's the heart and soul of what we do talk about um so i'm gonna say that wearables is definitely unlocking huge opportunities in the fitness space but in terms of the sports industry itself streaming is still only scratching the surface about Uh, to, as to what it's going to, what impact it's going to have in the way content is consumed in the industry. Okay. Okay. Next one: uh, data analytics versus augmented reality. What you got? Data and analytics. All I think, you know, augmented reality is going to add value. But data analytics, the more we can learn about what our consumers want, the better, the better job we can do running our businesses. Okay. And the last one I have before we get to the next round is digital collectibles versus virtual reality. I'm going to say digital collectibles because I think there's so many different ways, whether it's NFTs generally or just digital collectibles can play such an important role in providing a different relationship with some of the, the fan base that they have. VR is still an unproven source. And a lot of people are talking to in the industry are still skeptical to see how VR and metaverse still going to be transformative um, to the way the, the way sports is consumed. It's going to be complementary, I think, at best for a while to come. Yeah, I want to touch more on that in a second, right Right after we finish the March Madness. But uh, the second round, which is uh, the ones you picked, uh, are 5G and streaming. What you got? They're both, they're both kind, of, kind of connected. So I would say I'm going to go with streaming just because that's still my, my bread and butter. <laughs> well, I can already see a winner here, but let's, let's finish it off. Um, data analytics versus collectibles. What you got? Mm. Data analytics still think that's going to be that's still sitting at the heart and center of what everyone's trying to do these days. 
Okay, and the final is uh, analytics versus streaming. I, I know the answer, but I want you to say it. <laughs> uh, no, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say data and analytics just because you knew what I was going to say was going to be streaming. Uh, <laughs> no, but, but also because data and analytics sits across everything every organization is doing, right? Whether it's content, whether it's experiences, whether it's engagement through social, through owned and operated platforms, through broadcasting. And without that data, um, you're, you're running blind. So it does sit in the heart and soul of everything that we're doing. It's only going to increase its role in the industry. So data analytics is, is probably front and center there. So there you guys have it. The winner of the sports tech March Madness game, favorite tech trend to take sports by storm. In the next couple of years, data analytics. You heard it here, here on Halftime Snacks with Nick. Um, Nick, and, and, and maybe touching a little bit more on that, uh, because I think that that is a very, very accurate way of seeing what your vision and the vision of SportsBro is for the industry in the next five, 10 years. How are you guys getting ready for that? How are you preparing for that change, for that uh, transformation? Um, what are some of the ideas that you have or things that you're currently doing um, to, to adapt yourself to that change? Yeah, well, in terms of around digital transformation, generally, being a media business, um, data actually sits really at the heart and center of that. So what every good media business, every good content business wants to do is get a complete picture of its audience, who's consuming its content, uh, and particularly in the B2B space, where you're talking to direct directly to executives in the sports world, you want to make sure you're talking to the right people. So when you have touch points across podcasts, through video, virtual events, um, through the, the uh, website, through apps, through newsletters, etc. You want to make sure that the data and insight you're getting around the individual customer is complete. You want to make sure you're getting a complete picture of how Nick's consuming A, B, and C so you can serve him more of what's suitable to him. So really the biggest project, I think every business uh, that I speak to is either going through now or has gone through is creating that connected connected sort of single customer view, making sure all their assets, all their tools, all their channels are feeding into one central outlet or platform so you can get a true sense of what your audience uh, is and what they're interested in. And that's an area for us as a media business we're hugely focused on. Yeah, and and there was there was actually some interest uh, around Twitter when I asked what people would ask you uh, on a conversation. There, there was uh, much interest around Web3 um so i want to i want to know your take on web3 like what, how do you see it in, impacting um the media industry sports and like how that mixes together you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely so i mean web3 is obviously still a kind of an emerging topic although there's some there's some pretty good uh signs about its role and what it's going to play um a lot of uh, questions still to be answered in, in in some aspects but you know the obvious things are going to be well cryptocurrency will be uh you know blockchain powered uh solutions like cryptocurrency will play a more and more prominent role in the way people sign up to things to make uh make it easier for people to consume and therefore pay and transact for content opportunities uh, and obviously cryptocurrency is spending a lot of money in promotion so actually as a, as a revenue source for various media and sports businesses it is fairly front and center Uh, Web3 is obviously built a lot around community uh, and innately businesses like ours, which are built around building specific audience sets, um, things that can help promote and build out that community aspect 
will be really, really important to us in the future. We want people to feel like they're part of the sports pro community and not just using us as a platform to consume content, but they're really part of what we uh, are trying to do here, which is trying to drive the transformation of the sports industry. So making sure that that, that, that is going to be part of what we look at in the future is going to be really, really important. Um, and then, you know, NFTs are obviously developing, but their utility and their ability to be used across both physical and virtual is a really interesting development. So uh, you see it in, in sports about how NFTs are being used, not just for the collectible side, but then also, okay, does that give me access to unique experiences, unique content, access to games and experiences, et cetera. And the same can happen in the space we work in. So pretty quickly, I'd say within the next year or two, we'll see Web3 style solutions playing more and more of a role in our business. Uh, and one final one that comes to mind, which is a pretty obvious one, but we run events Ticketing is the most obvious uh, solution for blockchain. Uh, so blockchain is the most obvious solution for the ticketing industry. And I innately think that, that when we start looking at more ticketing uh, for some of our events, we'll probably be looking at using blockchain solutions in the future, in the near future as well. And it's absolutely stunning to hear how well-rounded you are with so many ideas and, and sectors and, and insights around sports and media that uh, it's going to take a while to digest all the good information that you shared with us today, Nick. I do appreciate that. Uh, but I can't live with uh, asking you uh, a more personal question. We do like to get to know the guests on a personal basis, on a professional basis. Um, so the one I have for you, uh, the one I want to ask you, Uh, that that I want you to share as what has been the the best day of your life? Oh, that's a, that is a tough question. Best day of my life. I mean, actually, no, it's not a tough question because particularly if my wife listening to, uh, to this, uh, it's a toss up between my wedding day and the birth of my first child. I have to really somewhere between those two uh, will be uh, front and center of that from a business and work perspective. uh, It's a bit of a different ball game. Um, I'm very hard to pick one, but I've had some pretty cool experiences going to a lot of cool sporting events over the years. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a tough one to tough one to, to dig into and answer. Uh, I hope my wife doesn't listen to me and my immediate hesitation there. She will definitely pull me up on that. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.